And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time it's part two of the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show with special guest Jeff Chandler. Then it's an outer space adventure with Tom Corbett, Space Cadet from 1952. With me is my executive producer, Mike Costello. What's up, Mike? Hey, Carl. How's it going? All right. Everything good? Yeah. Everything's great. Yeah? You enjoying Martin and Lewis? Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis? I do. I dig the Martin and Lewis show, actually. Have you ever seen any of their uh, movies? They're fun movies. You know, I think I've seen bits of them. Yeah, they're great. They run on uh, Turner Classic Movies quite a bit. Fair enough. We are listening to a Martin and Lewis show from September 23rd. 1952. Their special guest is Jeff Chandler. And now the conclusion. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest tonight is a man who crashed into pictures a few years ago and almost overnight found himself high in the ranks of our most popular stars. Jerry and I hope to bring you a big guest every week. But we don't know anyone bigger than that six feet four inches of rugged manhood, Jeff Chandler. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, folks, and hi, Dean. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you with us tonight. Well, thank you, Dean. Say, where's that partner of yours? You know, he, he won't spend a whole day knocking at my front door. Jerry spent a whole day knocking at your front door? How come? Well, we decided to sell our house last month, so we put a sign up on the front lawn. It said, Mr. Jeff Chandler, anxious to sell. Mrs. Chandler will show by appointment only. <laughs> but uh, what made Jerry spend a day knocking at your front door? Well, he thought the sign read, Mr. Jeff Chandler, anxious to sell. Mrs. Chandler will show by appointment only. <laughs> Oh, so Jerry wanted to buy your wife, huh? You beat that. I, I was mad enough to shoot him. You were? Well, sure. His check bounced. Oh, it did. Huh? <laughs> well, no wonder you never opened that door. Hey, Dean. Dean, have you seen... Good heavens, there's a strange bird in our little nest. <laughs> you, uh... You look awfully familiar, buddy. <laughs> Haven't I seen the outside of your house? You sure have, Jerry. Say hello to Mr. Chandler. Chandler? You got a happy Chandler who used to be the baseball czar? No, Jerry, I... Hey, did Joe DiMaggio ever get the first base with Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> Look, Jerry, Jerry, happy Chandler is someone else. My name is Chandler, too, but I'm not happy. <laughs> you like that? Six feet, four inches tall, a tremendous physique, a handsome face. He's not happy. <laughs> I should be so miserable. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff. I, I just don't know what to do with this boy. I, look, Jerry, I, uh... What, 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 what? Jerry, I, I want you to be be nice to our guests. You know, now be a little gentleman and uh, 
exchange greetings with Mr. Chandler. All righty. <laughs> Mr. Chandler, my partner says I should come up to you and we should exchange greetings. So? So I'll trade you two Happy New Year's for a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Jerry, I told wait, you Wait, 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 Dean. Let me handle this. Jerry, I'm Jeff Chandler, the actor. How do you do? <laughs> I am Jerry Lewis, the enchanting. been around a lot of strange people, but Jerry, you sure talk in circles. Can I help it? I got a round mouth. Ah, 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 you old humdinger, you. <laughs> That's amazing, Jerry. How do you do it? Do what? How do you fit a round mouth into such a square head? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, fellas, but I don't like the how well you two are working together here. <laughs> yeah, we do pretty good together. Maybe we ought to team up, huh, Jeff? I can just see the billing. That sensational new comedy team, Mutt and Jeff. <laughs> oh, no, 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 look. Hold it, boys. I don't want to come between you. Look, maybe we ought to get into the sketch. What's it going to be? Well, we thought we'd make it feel at home, Jeff, and do a Western. You know, Jerry, do you think you can handle a Western roll? Is it anything like an onion roll? <laughs> Dean. Get on with the sketch. Yeah. If I know how these things go, it's it's about time for George Fenneman to set the scene. And now, through the magic of radio, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Jeff Chandler take you to the roughest, toughest town of all time. A town where outlaws thrive, and a man's lifespan is measured by the speed of his draw. A town where lawlessness reigns supreme. The toughest, roughest, and wildest town of all time. Boston. <laughs> Yes, Boston, Wyoming. And there... And there we meet the greatest trio of desperados ever to ride the range. The three James brothers. My name's Jesse James. I'm married to the West. My name's Frank James. I'm married to my gun. My name is Harry James. Any questions? <laughs> yes, it's the infamous James brothers. Wherever the James brothers rode, they left their mark. Jesse with his... Frank with his... And Harry with his... As we meet the James brothers, they've just robbed the bank at Abilene, and they're fleeing to their hideout with a posse at their heels. There's the hideout, boys. Let's go. Come on now, boys. Let's divvy up the loot. We sure cleaned out that bank. I stole myself about 6,000 gold. I got away with 8,000 in greenbacks. What was your take, Harry? Two blotters and an application to join the Christmas club. Why, <laughs> you lily-livered goat. Heck of a bank robber you turned out to be. All right, there's no need to get your spurs in an uproar, buddy. I never claim to be no bank robber. <laughs> I got a different specialty. Why, well, I'm the biggest rustler in these parts. <laughs> Part of the West you come from, driving to The southern part of the West. How come you ain't rustling now? I forgot my tap of the short. Oh. No, no, it ain't no use, Jess. He's plain yelling. You know something? If it wasn't for Ma, I'd cut his throat. What's Ma got to do with it? I promise she could watch. Oh. 
Okay, boys, now took on gonna take it this year. <laughs> for no fight. But if that's what you're hankering for, then even I ain't hankering. I'm going to start hankering right now. And, an- and another... And, an- and another... And another thing. What? Can I borrow your hankering? All right, let's cut this crazy palaver. We got to get organized. Harry, you go out and water the horses. Okay, Frank, but it's silly. Every time I water those horses, darn it, but don't ring. <laughs> You know, Jesse, he must be loco or something. He's loco or nothing. Ah, uh, well. The horses ain't there. They're gone. Gone? <laughs> gone? Are you sure? Yeah, all I could find was this note. Here, here, let me see that. Read it, Frank. What's it say? It says, you are good... <laughs> You are a no-good bunch of coyotes, and I decided to leave you stranded in your hideout. I've hated you for years, and I hope the posse catches you and hangs you. How's it signed? Old Faithful. <laughs> it's the posse. Yes, I'll give you one chance. What do you say, Jesse James? You'll never take me alive. <laughs> what do you say, Frank James? You'll never take me alive. What do you say, Harry James? No, I've always been a great fan of Western pictures, but uh, I really flipped when Roy Rogers and Gene Autry came on the scene, because if there's anything I like more than Western pictures, it's Western music. So, text to Bill, let's ride down the canyon. Riding down the canyon to watch the sun go down A picture that no artist ever could paint White-faced cattle lowing On the mountainside I hear a coyote whining for it's made Cactus plants are blooming Sagebrush everywhere Granite spires are standing all around I tell you folks it's heaven to be riding down the trail when the desert sun 
goes down Cactus plants are blooming Sagebrush everywhere Granite spires are standing all around I tell you folks It's heaven to be riding down the trail When the desert sun goes down pretty the way you sang. It brought a lump in my throat. Well, thank you, Jerry. That's very flattering, huh? Dean, uh, I'd like to add my vote of confidence to Jerry's. Uh, I couldn't have done better myself. <laughs> Do you sing, Jeff? Of course he sings. And you know it all the time, Dean Martin. So how come you didn't mention it? I'm sorry, Jeff. I guess I must have forgotten you were a singer. <laughs> well, well, maybe we can get together after the show and kick around Sweet Adeline. Sounds good to me. Well, it don't sound good to me. Why not? She's my sister. <laughs> All right, Jerry, it's, it's time to wrap things up, so let's say goodnight to Jeff Chandler, who has been a wonderful, wonderful guest. Yes, sir Jeffy boy. <laughs> Anytime you want to sign your name in our guest book, you go right ahead. <laughs> there goes double for me, Jeff. Well, thank you, boys. Good night, everybody. Good night, boys. Good night, Good night Jeff. Folks, that does it for this week. So until next week, this is Dean Martin reminding all our friends in Texas that we're coming down to play the State Fair in Dallas from October 4th through the 19th. And this is Jerry Lewis reminding all of you that our latest picture, Jumping Jacks, is playing at your local theaters. We hope you'll go see it. Good night. Good night, everybody. From Hollywood, you've just heard transcribed the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show. Written by Ed Simmons and Norman Lear. Produced and directed by Dick Mack with music prepared and conducted by Dick Stabile. And this is George Fenneman asking you to listen to a personal message from Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Ladies and gentlemen, before we sign off, we'd like to tell you a little something about our pet charity, the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Muscular dystrophy is a horrible disease that strikes young and old alike. And what makes it even more frightening is that the disease is incurable. A cure can be found for this dread disease, but money is needed for research. It's needed badly, and your contributions can help this research to continue. Please send what you can to MDA New York 8 New York. That's MDA New York 8 New York. And we thank you so much. Good night. Jeff Chandler will soon be seen, and because of you, a universal international picture also starring Loretta Young and Alex Nichols. And that's the Martin and Lewis Show from September 23rd, 1952. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis and special guest Jeff Chandler. That was originally sponsored by Chesterfield, but Mike removed all of those cigarette commercials because we don't want you to smoke. It's heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. Across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. And I'd like to invite you to go to our website, which is Hollywood360radio.com. What's at our website, Mike? Well, we've got a podcast, and it's got all four hours for sure. In case you missed any of them, or if any of our stations don't carry all four hours, you can check us out there and hear the whole show. Yeah, make sure you check out our website because there's all kinds of fun stuff, including uh, part of Lisa's contract is that there's thousands of pictures of her at the website. So you can see thousands and thousands of pictures of Lisa Wolf at the Hollywood 360 website, which is Hollywood360radio.com. I think there's like one picture of me and one picture of you. That's yeah, about it. there's and and the picture of me, I know there's one of me with Lisa. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, she's in all the I pictures. I think I just happened to been snuck in. Yeah, well, we're not allowed to have our own picture. Right. Part of her contract. <laughs> you know, she paid for these studios, so she really, uh, you know, she's the boss. All right, well, it's time now for Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. This was a sci-fi adventure, and it was featured in television, radio, books, and comic strips of the 1950s. It followed the adventures of Tom Corbett, Astro, Roger Manning, and T.J. Thistle. They were cadets at the Space Academy as they train to become members of the Solar Guard. I want to be a member of the Solar Guard. Maybe Lisa's a member of the Solar Guard. She probably is. The stories revolve around the Academy and classrooms aboard their training ship, the rocket cruiser Polaris, and on alien worlds both within the solar system and in orbit around nearby stars. It was inspired by the 1948 Robert Heinlein novel, Space Cadets. It came to television in 1949 and on radio in 1952. Frankie Thomas was Corbett and Al Markham was Astro and Jan Merlin was Roger Manning. Well, we have a broadcast for you now from February 7, 1952 called Operation Hide and Seek. It stars Frankie Thomas Jr. Here's part one of Tom Corbett's Space Cadet. Kellogg's Pep, the build-up wheat cereal, invites you to rocket into the future with Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. Minus five, four, three, two, one, zero. Rolling rockets blast off to distant planets and far-flung stars. We take you to the age of the conquest of space with Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. For the cadets of Space Academy, the most exciting phase of training begins on a huge field, scarred and pitted by the blasts of raw power needed to break Earth's mighty clutch of gravity and set men free to rocket toward distant planets. Well, this is the Academy's spaceport, takeoff point for duty, adventure, and danger. Today, the entire Academy fleet of spaceships is out on the field, ready to blast off on a mysterious mission. On the control deck of the rocket cruiser Polaris, cadet pilot Tom Corbett, Roger Manning, and Astro await Commander Arkwright's orders. Attention! Attention, all cadet units! Hey, listen, there's Commander Arkwright on the teleceiver. Well, it's about time. Now, hear this. Doubtless you've all been wondering why you've received no advance orders on today's mission. The reason is simple. As officers of the Solar Guard, you will often have to go into action without advance notice. For instance, when you are sent to track down and subdue an outlaw or enemy ship. 
As you want to do now. Hey, hear that, fellas? I suppose we're really going after an outlaw? Of course not, you Venusian cunt. Your mission will not be a real one, of course. The supposed criminal ship will actually be the Solar Guard cruiser Arcturus, piloted by Captain Strong. Lucky guy. So that's why the skipper hasn't shown up. What happens to us now? Do we just sit here? As you all know, Captain Strong is in charge of the Polaris unit and obviously cannot be aboard the Polaris now since he's been gone for several hours. It has been decided that the Academy's training program will be greatly aided by making this entirely a cadet operation. Therefore, on this mission, each cadet unit will be in charge of its own ship. Oh, brother, listen to that. Sounds good. Instead of taking orders from Captain Strong, we'll be chasing him. I'll bet he leads us a real chase, too. Now, here are your instructions for training maneuver 32, or as Captain Strong called it, Operation Hide and Seek. Hide and Seek? The outlaw was reported entering Earth's orbit at point A25 in Sector 12. This report from Terra Station. Moon observers have spotted the ship leaving our orbit at point M47, Sector 89. Got that, Roger? Naturally, Junior, naturally. All ships are to proceed to the last point of observation and pick up Captain Strong's trail, which may lead anywhere in the solar system. Then track him down and engage him in mock battle. Of course, you are not expected to defeat such an expert pilot. Think you can lick him, Tom? A top space ace like the captain? Uh-uh, not yet. But you will be graded on your battle tactics, as revealed by photographic recorders, and also on the knowledge and intelligence you bring to your tracking. Not just on how soon you find the Arcturus, since that may depend partly on luck. Not when I'm doing the plotting. Okay, hotshot, just see that you produce results. One more thing, as I said. There is a strong possibility of danger, and you must be prepared to face it. You know that ships have been vanishing from the space lanes recently. One of them, the Academy cruiser Pollux, which disappeared three months ago on a routine flight. So keep your eyes peeled for trouble. Now, take your stations and prepare to blast off. Let's go, Roger. Astro, okay. And spaceman's luck to all of you. Let's take a break from Tom Corbett's Space Cadet. More after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to Tom Corbett's Space Cadet. As the rocket cruiser Polaris hurtles away from Earth, Tom, Roger, and Astro are at their station, ready to track down the Arcturus, commanded by Captain Strong, lurking somewhere in the depths of space. Now as the powerful atomic drive speeds the Polaris out of Earth's atmosphere, Tom checks his unit mates. Control to power deck. Check in, Astro. Power deck, aye. How's everything down there? Ship shape, Tom. The rockets are purring like kittens. Great. Check you later. End transmission. Control deck to radar bridge. Check in. Radar bridge, aye. Any astrogation data ready yet, Roger? Long ago, sonny boy. Long ago. Oh, sorry, big shot. I should have known. Okay, let's have the correction for deviation from course. Coming up. Starboard, 24 degrees, 17 minutes, up 3 degrees. Starboard, 20... What? You heard me, space boy. Starboard, 24 degrees, 17 24? Hey, what goes here? You call yourself an astrogator, Roger? Do you know that your figures would take us inside Mars' orbit instead of the spot where the Arcturus was last seen? Sure I know it. You know it? Well, what are you trying to do, knock us out of this operation? Hey, hey what's going on here? I'm glad you came up, Astro. Our genius on the radar bridge is taking us way off course. 
What? Just simmer down, kiddies, and listen, Uncle Roger. Okay, let's have it. Fast. Listen. Commander Arkwright gave us two points where the Arcturus had been seen, not just the last one. So I plotted its course and then extended it by extrapolation. Extra what? Now, don't let it throw your bird brain. It just means using known facts to reach a logical mathematical conclusion. You, logical? Huh? Sure. Why, even if the Arcturus went into an evasion curve, we'd pick up the trail hours before the others. He could be right, Astro. But Commander Arkwright said, proceed to the last point. And he also said it wasn't enough just to be fast. Exactly. He said we should prove our knowledge and intelligence, and that's just what I'm doing. Okay, okay, genius. But look, suppose those first figures were just stuck in to make it sound like an actual mission. Then where would you be? Nowhere. Would a guy like the commander just stick in a set of figures? He'd make sure they were real, would Yeah, he probably would. Well, come on, let's go. Hold your jets. Astro, what do you think? Well, I don't know. It sounds good, but I'm never sure about Roger's shortcuts. I'll leave it up to you. Well, right now, I don't know either. I'd sure like to have the Polaris come in first and best, but I'd hate to have her last and worst. Well, come on, Junior. Make up your mind. All right, Roger. We'll do it your way. At a boy. But believe me, brother, you'd better be right. Control deck to radar bridge. Control deck to radar bridge. Roger, check in, will you? Blast it, Tom. Stop bothering me. I have to watch the sniffer for radiation traces. Well, Astro and I have been waiting down here for an hour. Isn't there any sign of the Arcturus's trail yet? No, I'll let you know when there is. Yeah, if there is. There will be. Great Jupiter, we just entered the probability area. Just keep your gyros steady, fellas. I'll call you and transmission. Huh. Keep our gyros steady. With our Academy ratings, depending on his judgment. Yeah, if he's fouled us up, our names will be mud around the Academy. You're so right, pal. Well, we might as well stay out with the, with the rest of the space junk if anything happens. Radar bridge control deck. Port, one degree. Keep her level. Right. Okay, Roger, on course. Have you got something? Yeah, on the trail. Hold the ship steady as she goes. Hey, nice going, Roger. Think nothing of it, Astro. It's just a little old miracle. Are you sure you're not just picking up cosmic radiation, miracle man? Now, look, Corbett, I know the difference between random rays and the spaceship pattern. This is the Arcturus track. I'll bet my last cent on it. Okay, okay. I'm holding steady on your course. That's it. Stick with Uncle Roger and his little snipper and you'll wear medals. Yeah, if we don't wear out first. Hey, uh, genius. You mean me, I suppose. No one else. Where did you get that name Sniffer? Well, that's what it does, doesn't it? Or am I supposed to call it Radiation Detector Analyzer Mark III all the time? It's a cinch you wouldn't, Roger. Cut the chatter, you two. Roger, keep your eyes on that Sniffer. You'd better if he kept his nose at it. Ah, blow your shits, both of you. I got work to do. <laughs> hey, I didn't make the hotshot mad, did I, Tom? <laughs> oh, forget it. He's got a low boiling point anyway. Not that I'd say it to his face, but he's a real top-drawer astrogator. Yeah, that chance we took really paid off. Radar bridge to control deck. Check in quick. Uh Oh, that sounds like trouble. Control deck guy. What's wrong, Roger? You didn't lose the trail, did you? No, I didn't lose a trail. I found one. Another one. You mean there are two trails? Exactly, Junior. They run along together for a while, then go off in different directions. And I don't know which one to follow. Radar bridge, aye. Getting anywhere and figuring out which of those two trails is the one we want? Not yet, Blast it. They're too similar. Hey, Roger. You in again, Astro White. Maybe one of the trails was made by a commercial spaceship. No, I thought so at first, but the radiation patterns didn't pan out. 
Both these patterns were made by rocket cruisers. They're practically identical. Well, can you check on which is the freshest trail, Rod? Well, sure, by a diffusion comparison, but I think I can guess which is the right one without that. Well, uh, you better not guess, Roger. You better take time to check. Look, I am sure. The last trail must be the one that deviates most from the original course. Come on, six degrees starboard, one down, and we're in. That's mighty thin reasoning, Roger. Listen, Tom, wasn't I right the last time? Didn't I get us this far? Well, don't I get a chance to... All right. Don't cry all over the equipment. You win. I'm setting up the new cars. Okay with you, Astro? Well, I suppose so. But I don't like it much. Neither do I. But I guess it's another chance we have to take. So, full space speed and hope for the best. Looks like it. Still, we may have more problems soon. Yeah, what? Well, we're moving in the general direction of Saturn. And you may have heard that Saturn has a moon. Nine moons, Professor. I was thinking of the big one with the Solar Alliance colony. Good old Titan. Remember the last time we landed there, that colonist's daughter? <whistles> yeah, yeah, I remember. But Titan's been producing uranium as well as pretty girls. So? So freighters transporting the uranium back to Earth have all been using the space lane. And I think the Arcturus is heading for that lane. Oh, you figure the Arcturus will make a run on the lane, merge its radiation trail with the others, and then blast out again, huh? That's the way it figures to me. Shows how wrong you can figure sometimes, Junior. The sniffer could pick out a cruiser pattern from a million made by freighters. I hope you can prove that, Hotshot. Don't worry, I will. Say, maybe I won't have to. What do you mean? I'm getting something on my scanner. It's a spaceship, Tom, dead ahead. A ship on this course? Why, that couldn't be a freighter. It must be the Arcturus. We found her. Hey, Astro, did you hear that? I sure did. Nice work, Roger. It's something funny, though. Don't tell me you're not sure. No, I'm sure than ever. The ship's making a good-sized blip on the screen now. Already? That's just it. The Arcturus should be burning up space, and instead she's just loafing along, hardly moving. Great galaxy, suppose it's not the Arcturus. It must be. I guess Captain Strong's just tired of playing hide-and-seek. All right, fellas, if it is the Arcturus, then she's a sitting duck. We can blast in on them before they can maneuver. Maybe before they know we're around. And we ought to get in some good shots, even if they are just on film. Hey, maybe we can even win this dogfight. Oh, brother, if we could, wouldn't that make us hot stuff around the academy? It sure would. Okay, Roger, keep your eyes on that screen. Astro, see if you can squeeze another couple of neutrons out of your rockets. Prepare to attack! Radar to control. Control I. Easier just to touch the starboard, Tom, about one point. That's got it. Now, keep watching your viewport. You too, Astro. The spaceship will be in sight in a second. Let's hope you got the right one, Roger. Oh, it has to be, Astro. If we're wrong... We're not wrong. Look, there it is. It's a Solar Guard cruiser, all right, Astro. But it must be the Arcturus. Fellas, we're in. Almost. We still have a scrap on our hands, though. Okay, Roger, I'll handle the course visually now. You get on your gun control. Right. Stand by for changes in speed and course, Astro. Aye, aye. Remember, our guns contain telecams, not warheads. So there won't be any noise, only a little clicking sound. Okay, okay, let's start shooting. We're not within range yet. So what? We won't be wasting ammunition, just microfilm. We'll do it right anyway. That's the way, Tom. The recorders will show it, too. All right, coming into range. Ready, Roger. Ready. Fire forward battery. Aye. Forward battery firing. Uh Uh-huh, and right on the target. Okay, I'm starting to ease to port. Stand by to fire starboard battery. Forward battery, cease fire. Cease fire, aye. Fire starboard one. Starboard two. 
Starboard battery's firing. Keep them hot, Roger. Antioch Turns is waking up. They've seen us. Captain Strong's maneuvering to return fire. Let him. Our pictures will show we got him first. But I'll try to outjock him anyway. He's opening his forward gun port. Hey, Tom, look! Great Jupiter, he's going to fire real warheads. Is Captain Strong on space happy? Here comes the first one. Astro, full blast on port steering rockets. Full blast, aye. Here it comes. Wow, mister. And here comes another one. Astro, cut in emergency power. Let's get out of here. Suits me fine. Roger, contact Captain Strong. Tell him to lay off. That's what I'm trying to do. Hey, they fired a full salvo. Oh, brother, we'll never be able to duck all of them. Astro hit the starboard steering jets. Too late. Brace yourselves, guys. We're going to be clobbered. Jumping Jupiter. What caused the midships? Tom, you all right? Yeah. Astro, check in. Power deck. I. Astro, what's the matter with you? Nothing. Nothing, Tom. I'm okay. Then give me more power. I can't. Main drive. Damaged. I can't. Astro. Astro, check in. Sounds like he's hurt, Tom. Blasted. Can't you raise the Arcturus, Roger? Not now. My transmitter's shorted and the outside antenna is gone. Oh, great. And look at the Arcturus. It's circling around. It's going to attack. And unless we can do something to stop it, we'll be blasted into meteor dust. Driving forward in a mock attack on the cruisers they trailed through space, Tom, Roger, and Astro were jubilant about their success until the other ship suddenly opened fire with real and deadly atomic warheads. Now, with the Polaris damaged, Astro unconscious, and their communications knocked out, Operation Hide and Seek is no longer a game, but a desperate struggle for survival. Roger, that isn't Strong's ship, it's the Pollock's. The Academy ship that disappeared three months ago. What? Sure, it must have been stolen. And the crew kidnapped or killed. It all ties in. Commercial ships missing lately. This one loafing around a space lane. But who'd have the nerve to take over an Academy cruiser? I'm trying to tell you. Space pirates. Great Ganymede ghosts. They're out to get rid of us before we can report. Yes, they've got a darn good chance of succeeding, too. Those dirty space rats. But what can we do? Just one thing, I'm afraid. Run for it. Try to make the outer moons of Saturn. We can't land on those hunks of rock. They'd nail us like shooting fish in a barrel. We won't land. Just use the moons to dodge the pirates' viewers and radar for a while until you get that transmitter working. Then what? Then I don't know. I'm not even sure we can make the moons. But it's the only chance we have, so full evasion course. Let's go. Okay, Tom. The radio's putting out a weak signal. Now what? Now I want you to call Titan. Titan? What's the matter with you? You'd be giving our position away. Now, wait a minute. I'm going to be Titan. You? Listen, make your call full emergency. Then switch off. Change the circuit a little so it will sound different. Switch on again, and I'll answer from here. What are you going to... Will you stop asking questions? Just do as I say. Make that call. Okay, okay. Here goes. Space Academy Cruiser Polaris calling Titan Solar Guard Station. Polaris to Titan, emergency call. Over. Hold it. Now, Tom. Titan Station to Polaris. All units being alerted for emergency call. Go ahead, Polaris. Over. Okay, Roger. Make it sound good. We are under attack by space pirates and stolen Academy ship Pollux. Earlier attack temporarily knocked out our radio, now repaired. 
We're in full evasion course around outer moons. Can you send help? Over. Go ahead, Tom. Message received. Help on its way. Three solar guard ships about to blast off. We'll knock those pirates right out of space. Meanwhile, maintain radio silence. Over. Thanks, Titan. We'll be waiting. End transmission. Well, that's it. Now we hope for the best. Yeah, but maybe those space rats didn't even hear the message. Maybe not. So we'd better keep dodging. Hey, the pilots just showed up on my scanner. Well, that means they can spot us, too. Stand by for another sharp turn. Hold it. Why strain the Polaris when we don't have to? Don't have to? The pirates have hightailing it away from here. Then he did hear us. We're off the spot. Now what? Now we head for Titan and report. Yeah, but by the time we can alert the solar guard, it'll be in the clear. Tom, we ought to follow him. We can't, Roger. Not in the shape we're in. Look, I know it's asking for trouble, but they won't be expecting us to follow them. Sorry, Roger. I'd be willing to take the chance, but you're forgetting Astro. He's still unconscious. We've got to get him to a doctor. Oh, yeah, but... But, Tom, he'll be all right. He's tough. And anyway, you said he wasn't badly hurt. I said I didn't think so. I'm not a medic. I'm not sure. But you'd know he'd want us to. Probably, but he's in no condition to say so. And we can't gamble with his life. Uh, he's not that bad. You're just scared. Not at all. I just stop to think sometimes. Now, let's have the course for Titan. But, Tom, we... Okay, I'll figure the course. And no tricks, Hotshot. Our next stop is Titan. As far as we're concerned, this is the end of Operation Hide and Seek. <laughs> miss the next action-packed episode with Tom Corbett, Space Cadet, when the crew of the crippled Polaris encounters the pirate ship again, and there is a battle to the death in part two of Operation Hide and Seek. Tune in same time, same station for the next thrilling interplanetary adventure with Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. Brought to you by Kellogg's Pep, the build-up wheat cereal. Tom Corbett, Space Cadet, starring Frankie Thomas, can also be seen on television and appears in the comic sections of many of America's leading newspapers. Look for it daily and in weekend editions. Featured in the cast were Al Markham, Jan Merlin, and Carter Blake. Today's program was written by Don Hughes and directed by Drex Hines. Jackson Beck speaking. This program came to you from New York. America is sold on ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. And that's Tom Corbett, Space Cadet from February 7, 1952, Operation Hide and Seek, starring Frankie Thomas. Also in that cast, Jan Merlin and Al Markham, with Jackson Beck, probably one of the best voices of the golden age of radio. He played Philo Vance on radio, plus he did a lot of announcing including he was the announcer on The Adventures of Superman. It was sponsored by Kellogg's Pep, as heard on ABC. All right, let's take a break now. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
Hi, Carl Amari here for Remind Magazine, America's monthly blast from the past. Each month, Remind Magazine focuses on a pop culture theme from the 1950s through the 1980s, covering a wide spectrum of topics from Marilyn Monroe to Marilyn Manson. In every 50-plus page issue of Remind Magazine, you'll find dozens of puzzles, movie posters, trivia contests, classic comics, crossword puzzles, vintage advertisements for products from days gone by, and much more. And every issue features my column, Radio 360, where I focus on a celebrity from Hollywood's golden age and write about his or her radio work. And next to my article is the monthly schedule of the classic radio shows I'll be playing each month so you'll never miss your favorites. Remind Magazine is available at Barnes & Noble and Walmart stores throughout the country. But because I write for this magazine, I'll let you in on a little secret. You can get Remind Magazine for about 60% less than the newsstand price by ordering it online at RemindMagazine.com. Visit RemindMagazine.com and subscribe today. Do you love classic radio shows? Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. Do you love classic radio shows? The Jack Benny Program. X-1. Suspense. Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's The Adventures of Frank Merriwell from 1948. Then it's part one of the Jack Benny program from 1950. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.